I'd like to exchange an egg. I've made my choice and I choose me. Attention Beverly Hills 90210 fans. You are now entering a song by song. You're so precious to me. Episode by episode. Look, I hate you both. Never talk to me again. Count of the making of America's most famous zip code. May the bridges I burn light the way. With producers Charles Rosen and Larry Mullen and your host Pete Ferrero. Hey guys, don't go away, man. Just go away. It's now time for the Beverly Hills 90210 Show. All right. So I think for everybody, I have to tell you, uh, coming into this week, the 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 way people are so excited to talk about Donna Martin graduates is unbelievable. People are already asking questions. They're fi- they're firing them away at this at this topic. So, uh, and it was really awesome uh, to sort of revisit this as a super fan. Um, Lily, how about you? Was was it awesome? Absolutely, absolutely, it is. Yeah, very cool. And of course, we have our usual suspect, the genius. Charles Rosen. I don't know why I called you that now. <laughs> the only other the only other person who ever called me a genius was Aaron Spelling when he wanted to take advantage of me. <laughs> the other person who ever called me that. Anyway, um, you know, thank you. It's fun to be, you know, I, we were just talking before and, and introduced Jessica, but, but, you know, to see these again after all these years, very exciting. So I'm excited to be talking about them too. Yeah, and we're and we're here, and we have Jessica Klein joining us. Jessica, how are you? How's everything been going? Everything's good. We're all stuck at home, but when you get to watch <laughs> old episodes of Nine or Two and Over the first time in thirty years, it gives you something to do. It's cheery. All right, and I think Michael's here. I see him. I see Michael is there. I don't know if he's there or not, but we'll 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 see. Can you hear me? We can hear you, but we can't see you. Let me see if I can. All right. Well, oh, you look the same, Michael. You haven't changed. <laughs> there he is. There he is. Hey, Hi, Michael. Good to Michael. see you. Hey, guys. Hi, hey. Michael. All right. So listen, we're going to just jump into real quick. Michael, before. where are you? Wait, this is a, where are you? Where are you? Where Where are you talking to I'm us from? Okay. Sherman Oaks, same place I've been when you guys right around from where you guys used to take acting. I do. Yes. The shortcuts to get to Oxnard and Kester. We probably exactly. I sped on your street, probably. All right. Before exactly. we jump into talking all things Donna Martin graduates, guys, I want to let you see the Beverly Hills 90210 show shop and see some new items that we have. So here's a quick uh, ad for our store. Hey, Beverly Hills 90210 fans. Stop what you're doing right now and go check out some awesome new t-shirts available at the Beverly Hills 90210showshop.com. I'd like to exchange an egg. I've made my choice and I choose me. That's right. Some of the most memorable moments from the TV show are available on your very own t-shirt. Hey guys, don't go away, man. Just go away. You know you want a Ray Pruitt concert tee. How about a Beverly Hills Beach Club member shirt? So go ahead and check out Beverly Hills 90210showshop.com for everything you need. T-shirts, mugs, tank tops, sweatshirts. You will not be sorry. Oh, make sure you go check those out. All right, listen, I just want to dive right in because this is one of the most iconic moments in uh, 90210 history. So I want to kind of get right in. I, I guess, Chuck, the best place to sort of start is when do you guys sort of start saying we want to write a storyline for Donna? How does that come to be in the in the conversations? Well, prior to um, 
the episode that Jessica and Steve wrote called April is the Cruelest Month, which is most known for the fact that our guest star was Matthew Perry playing tennis and, and planning to kill his father, uh, a la the way the Menendez brothers did, uh, which was part of the, which was actually, Jessica, I don't even know if you know this, it was a concept that we kicked around in the first 12, but first six. And I just, oh, this is so dark. But, you know, we're, we were in episode 18 and, you know, oh my God, what are we going to do now? And, uh, and and so this one came. So that was the focus. You know, Tori, uh, you know, Tori as playing Donna um, really would just, I could show you notes on cover pages from Mr. Spelling. Can't you give Tori a few lines? But it can't Donna say something here. It just it wasn't that we were being exclusionary. We were also, you know, taught we had a you know a low production apparatus and we were just, you know, doing what we did. So this was the first episode where we knew we needed a B store, you know, a counter story, and it just seemed right. And you know, so we did the the um, Donna having a learning disability. So of course we'd have a social issue in the middle of uh, in this episode, but that, that's really, um, was the first time she got any exposure. And although immediately after she would start doing comedy, a lot of comedy for us, this was straight drama, right, Jess? Yep, it was very dramatic. And I, again, I haven't seen these episodes since we wrote them. Um, and I was so amazed at what a good job she did. Yeah. She always impressed me. We throw stuff at her, and whether it was dramatic or very broad physical comedy, she pulled it off because she was so game and so eager to prove that she could do this. And um, exactly. it was nice to see her, to see how she began. So, what are you know? So, what are some of the initial conversations about this about this storyline? Where are we Where are we coming from with this with this graduation thing? Jess, you were just kind of oh, telling me. Oh, for April, for uh, a night to remember and something yeah. in the air. Um, I don't remember how we came up with the idea to make a story about someone going through this at graduation, except Steve Wasserman's cousin had gone to Beverly Hills High School. She went to an after party, got drunk just the way it happens in the show, threw up on the principal's shoes and uh, was um, suspended. And she had to face the music. She went to the, everything that happens in the story except the protest happened to her. She couldn't graduate. She had to go to summer school. Got her diploma in August. But right, that so that's when my—that's right. That's where my Berkeley fantasy comes in in the second half of this. But there was the first half. But even before I, you know, watching these two episodes back to back and seeing you on it, Michael, and, and and everything else, you know, this was the one. This was the third season. These were becoming the culmination of the third season because after this was. Dakota, as it were, and and that's what Karen and I were focused on, and at commencement, graduation, that was right. a big episode for so many reasons. So this was Steve and Jessica; they had the back to back. You, these are the two you're writing, and this is this came out of the pledge that we kind of made to each other, starting in the third season. It just wasn't Luke who walked in the room and said, "We got to make the show. We got to take it up a notch. I want to start playing with quote unquote the blonde." It was also Steve and Jessica and Karen and I 
Darren had left us. Darren was in Melrose. He had gone, and Darren was a was a was you know a substantial creative force in year one, and and basically all the way through until he said, "I got my own street." So you know it. So this is really the culmination of of that that resolve to make uh, season three the memorable one. So is that what you when you say that uh, you guys you know had a I don't know code or whatever a pack that you guys a vow was that what the vow was that you guys wanted well, to meet? If, we I think we vowed to each other that we were going to prove that we could make this show great and greater than it had been, and we were going to show that we were uh, that we could not only keep it on the air without Darren but make it do better, and it did. It was a great show, and, and it, it did. got better. And um. I don't remember saying, well, we're going to make season three uh, great. It was, we're going to make this next season great. And I think we, I mean, frankly, we said that every year, but it was, it no, really but we worked. Had just, but we had also finally, I mean, the trade offered, you know, in some ways, maybe it was just coincidence, but I think it wasn't. The trade off for Darren leaving and doing Melrose was we get to go and have these kids be seniors. Well, I have to you know, make something clear that I didn't understand. I didn't remember until I watched April is the Cruelest Month again. When we joined the show as freelancers and wrote that episode, it was not clear at all what grade they were in. The next year, it was decided, I think, Chuck, you can prove me wrong, but I think it was decided, well, you know what? They're going to have been, I think they were sophomores twice. Right. Yeah, well, you know, no, they're actually juniors twice. Juniors twice. It's so yeah, unclear, but, but they're the fact that they're talking all about college in April is the cruelest month, and having taken SATs, it just seemed all wrong. And it, it was because I don't think we knew what grade they were in. Well, that's right. Uh, there were only June. They were supposed to be sophomores, and maybe it was the third episode. Jason turns to me and says, "Do I look like I'm a sophomore?" You know, and he's chain smoking his Marlboros, and and you know. <laughs> Like, oh well, no, you know, so and no, you Jason, know, and Michael looked like you were a sophomore. Right. Now, Michael, Michael, you yeah, were you were there for the first 12, yeah? Michael, you were there for the first yeah. 12, yeah? So, you know, nobody thought this was going to go beyond the first 12, if that, right? No, I, I was working uh, when I when I first started on the show, we had not we had not done my my construction crew had not done the pilot, pilot was done separately. And almost, I think, uh, uh, almost 100% on location. I don't think anything was built for it. If maybe some signage or something. Um, but when we came in for the first 12 and we had, had, were sort of get, getting ready to wrap up, I was the foreman working for my boss. And we knew, like, we we knew. I mean, this thing wasn't going anywhere. We're going to do 12 and finish up. And he left. He left, like, three episodes early. It's like, hey, finish this up. You know, when you get done, you'll wrap it up. And then we'll we'll see you on the other side. And then it, it, <laughs> it premiered before we were, I could get this wrong. I think it premiered before we were done shooting. Oh, yeah. And it, yes. and it was huge. And everyone was like, holy shit. You know, it's like, I mean, you guys probably scrambled and I don't know if you hired more people, but there was definitely a, it wasn't like a, I don't even know if it was a next season or if it was a, a little break between or if they continued more uh, of the 12. I don't remember. I, I just remember there was a, 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 a sort of moment where it was like, oh, holy crap, this is this is not only a success, this is this is huge yeah. and it's going to continue, so, which everyone was like, whoa, OK, everybody was surprised. 
just so, you, so you made creative decisions. You made choices like, okay, it doesn't really matter. You'll notice how many times Dylan, there were different Dylan fought. Diff, Dylan had so many different actors playing his father until we we locked down. Okay, now we really need one. I don't know if 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 Kelly ever got a real father. Maybe she did back, you know, in, in, in eight, nine, and ten. But she didn't, you know, when when either of us were doing the show. Yeah. So. That was a lot of that kind of stuff. Jessica, when does it become that clear to you that, hey, now now they're definitely juniors and they're, they're going to be they're going to be seniors. When when does that become a thing where you guys know, OK, now we can figure out what college looks like and all that kind of stuff. Uh, at the end of the second season, we knew we were going into senior year the following year. So it was some time, I guess, Chuck, that in season two we yeah and i think the other like the following year they right. were going to be seniors mm -hmm. and then we knew and that I they think were we... going to graduate and then there was a question about where they were going to go to college and where they were going to live and all those issues. right all of those issues yeah and we spent the whole year talking about that but but at this point you know once they get to senior that was it and then we were rolling we had beach club we had we sent them to paris that you know by never leaving the San Gabriel Valley. The coolest and, uh, thing was when we had summer episodes, we got to we got to extend time because we were telling the show sort of in real time with the September being the start of the year and Christmas was at Christmas. And then we get, right. we suddenly have 32 episodes and we continue in spring, which television shows don't do and into summer. And that it was so unusual. And it was exhausting for us because of double up. We had a absolutely, of time but it was, but it was really it was worth it. It was the most exciting thing, and it was the reason that we had to go forward because, you know, Mr. Spelling and the network loved us playing it in real time. And if you're in real time, time has got to keep moving. Right. So we couldn't stay there. So it right. was. Uh, and, and Aaron reluctantly had to agree. Getting older, it wasn't like Bart Simpson who could stay the same age on our network. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's what Sandy Grushow always used to say. He could see the hair growing in Luke's ear and knew we got to get these kids out of high school. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, one of the things to talk about, too, in this is, you know, there's this thing with Brian where Brian is supposedly younger than the rest of the, the group. So I'm sure that's got to be a conversation of like, shit. How do we get Brian to graduate? I mean, he excels or something and does something I've never heard of where somebody, you know, just studies a lot and takes a whole, you know, course. <laughs> yeah. A very special episode of Fantasy Island. Right. Um, it but, happened to uh, me in real life. I left high school a year early, so I, we probably figured, well, you, just, went to you, Harvard. Like, <laughs> you went to Harvard. This is David great, Silver, for God's sakes. David Silver was going to California University. He could pull it off. Oh, yeah. okay. He's the cool DJ. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, you know, one of the things I think at one point, uh, at least in my mind, and if it was in my mind, uh, you know, arguably then Jessica and Steve and I had this conversation about, oh, great, we'll move some to college and we'll keep a high school version too. And we'll build two shows at the same time, one around high school and keep Build a year around Brian Austin, you know, Green. And of course that went that went completely, oh, you know, that wasn't not gonna happen. So he took the double load and uh, that's how he joined. 
Now, Chuck, Jennifer asks this question, and I think it's a good question, but we are going to do a whole some a whole thing about this. Um, finally, finally. <laughs> just for clarity, though, what is a double up? You mentioned Jessica and, and Chuck, and was it was a day or night shooting? If you could just talk loosely about it, what it is, and then we'll talk, we'll do a whole thing about some of the crazy episodes that you had to do at the same time. In order to shoot 32 episodes, in order to shoot 32 episodes a year, we had to shoot two episodes at the same time. And the issue was not whether we shot them in the daytime or the nighttime. The issue was of our cast of eight players or whatever they were, um, they couldn't all be together. They had to be split. The storylines had to be split. And there were some scenes in each episode where we brought them together, but the rest of the time we had they had to separate. And it was a real challenge for production to figure out how to board an episode. That means when to how to shoot what, where, and when. But it was also it was a challenge for us because we had to write so much so fast. Yeah. Two were in prep, two were being shot, two were in post. We did that twice a year. And, and I think in the third, and, and maybe in year five, we did it three times, but I'm not sure. I know we did it twice. And for the actors, sometimes I think, you know, sometimes you're like, I don't remember that. Sometimes they're remembering two shows at the same time, right? The, 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 the lines and what's going on for two shows, as opposed to just, you know, having the script for one and then knowing what that is and knowing everything that sort of happened for that. So it's a challenge for everybody, I would imagine, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. I don't think it hadn't been. Let me put it this way: at the time in the 1990s, nobody else was doing it. Yeah, oh, were the ones no. doing it. Maybe Mel Melrose then got on the bandwagon for a while. I'm sure they were doing double ups too. I don't even think. I mean, generally speaking, I don't think people do shows. Don't do it even. It's not a first choice. They certainly do. Oh no, where they shoot where they shoot two episodes at the same time because they'll they'll shoot you know. But it'll have if if it's an eight day shoot, it'll be. 16 days of crossboarding and because you're in one location you want to shoot everything out for one location in you know on that day that you're there whether it's for this episode or the next one but double ups where you're doing two at once i mean we when i shot band of brothers we had kind of done that but we were on a staggered thing we sort of uh each episode was four weeks and after two weeks of shooting the first episode we started the second episode so the second two weeks of the first episode were going concurrently with the first two weeks of the second episode. That's about the closest I've ever come to that. No, oh, no. Um, but this is a bigger, more separate world. What these guys did, and with 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 uh, you know JP and uh, Paul Wagner and uh, Jim Weatherall did schedule wise, and, and with, Ken, you know, I'm, would have to go back to the writers and say, hey, we got too much stuff. Can we rearrange? And they would go back and restructure stuff. It was it was pretty it was kind of exciting because, you know, when you get to the end of the season, um, things become very not similar, but it's just like you're at the you're at the end of a long grind. Yeah. And strangely enough, throwing more work on it and making it more complicated actually made it an exciting time to be on the show, like a really exciting time. Right. I agree with I agree with with everything you said, Michael, but just one thing. We did them in seven days. I wish yeah, I had no, the luxury yeah, of eight days. Saying, yeah. yeah, you know, yes. that would have been great. And yeah. and by the way, when, you know, if if we've shot a lot on our stages back, especially by year four, five, you know, we, we'd be shooting them in six and a half days, yeah. you know, mm. when we went a lot of time on our stage. 
for, no, for, that was also early on where they were just starting from a production standpoint. Uh, I, when I was acting on other shows, it was it was a special day when there was a second camera. Mm. Uh, I think we had two cameras almost all the time, if not for you know four of the six days. You know, so to also be working on a reduced schedule, a lot of shows now people don't know shoot eight, ten, twelve days uh, for a big you know uh, network show that has a lot of action. Walking Dead, we shoot uh, eight days and some seven days still. Um, but we were doing, like Chuck said, seven days and sometimes even less. Mm. And it was it was heavy page count. It was they were they were knocking it out. It was pretty yeah. amazing. My Southland eight days. Well, seven. I'm, I'm curious we for, you, gun, so. for, for you, Michael, when when does it become you're 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 working in one area of the show? How do you eventually, you know, in this we're going to talk about, you know, you becoming Tony Miller and you're taking Brenda to the prom and all this. How does that, how did that transition happen for you? Well, I had, I had come on the show, uh, like I said, at the construction foreman and became the, the construction coordinator. And when I became the coordinator, I, I didn't have any tools. I, I, I thought I could do the job and Jim Weatherall wanted to keep me there. Um, but I had never done the job exclusively uh, and didn't have the tools. Jim was like, go get the tool package. We'll put them on rental. Um, we'll figure it out. Because like I said, we were like, we had gone from, we thought we were going to shut down to, hey, we're doing a whole bunch more and we got to like start tomorrow. Um, wound up buying a bunch of tools, hiring an, a, a new crew. Not not fully new. We had people that we had, but we didn't, we didn't again, we didn't know we were going to continue. So I had to actually crew up because we had some substantial stuff that we had to build. We actually had to, I don't think in the first 12, we even had a school uh, that set. We would go, we would go out to Torrance. We didn't, we didn't build the school until the next, or the peach pit until the next phase. And we had taken over another warehouse space, two spaces over. Um, right. The, yeah, I think, so. I think that's true with the peach pit. We did have the hallway um, in the school, uh, but not on our first or second yeah. episodes. It took a while. You are absolutely right. It took a while. Yeah. And then we it had, wasn't soundproof. Classrooms. We had a classroom and then an exterior hall and we would reconfigure it. But it was a while yeah. before we had and we, the And the blaze. Yeah. We had the blaze too, I think. That was yeah. one up. And then I built I built one, a, a little offshoot, Jessica, called Tech because, you know, they we wanted to like tech were advanced and it was like art meets technology. And I think we probably filmed in it about four times. And Duke Vincent gave me shit about that every year. I'm sure. He would needle me about tech. You know, I'm how's sure. that tech room going, you know? <laughs> well, we had, um, I had, uh, told, I told production, you know, I, look, I'm, I, I'm not here. And Jim knew. I'm. I'm. Uh, Jim Weatherill knew that I was going, slipping out to do auditions and stuff for other shows. And uh, I, I remember Paul, Paul Wagner, and Paul and Jim and Gail. I don't know if if Chuck was in that meeting, but I, I was called in uh, to have a conversation with them. They, you know, and they were like, basically, we understand you're an actor, um, but we just want to let you know that you're, you're, you, we can't audition you for the show. It's a conflict of interest, um, you know. Stephen, uh, Stephen uh, Spelling, and and Duke, like they're you know Gail, they're all like you know, real adamant. It's like just a conflict of interest. So please don't like we don't we don't we don't know if it's an issue with you, but we want like you can't do it. 
I said, that's fine. As long as I'm able to do my thing, uh, that's, that's great. Well, a river runs through it came out and they were trying to cast for the steroids episode. That was the one. Yeah. Right. Like a really hard time finding big guys who look young and they didn't have to be crazy young because by then our guys weren't, you know, looking, pre- you know, you didn't have to look like you were in high school. You, had you to just had like to look the same age as Luke. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so I, I got, I, I remember I got a call uh, that was like, uh, uh, hey, uh, we need you to come back down to the office. So I, I get, I go back down and it's Paul again. They're like, so uh, they, they want to audition you for the steroids episode because they're having a really hard time. I said, what, what about the whole conflict of interest thing? Said, well, it's, you know, we saw River runs through it, and everybody everybody says they're an actor, and we didn't want people to feel like, because there's other actors in the, in the crew, and we didn't want anyone to feel like they were being, you know, pushed out, and, you know, ultimately, I was like, oh, so it's, 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 a, con- it's, it's a conflict of my interest, not a conflict of your interest. All right. <laughs> um, so... I went in, I auditioned. I actually got a buddy of mine who I had worked for, worked with in Colorado Shakespeare Festival, Jim Peary, another physically big guy. And we, we had gone in and we, we both got cast. Um, you know, and the, the whole time, I got to say, you know, Chuck especially was uh, really aware and caring and um, really trying to, to really put me in the show as much as he could after that. Uh, anytime there was a chance, you know, it was sort of like, you know, guy number one, whatever, blah, 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 little throwaway thing. If it wasn't a story that was, you know, Tony, you know, really featured Tony or his relationship, but it was just somebody in passing. He's like, well, why don't, let's have Mike do it. You know, yeah. and, I, and I really always appreciated that. So there were days where I was down there and I, you know, down in Torrance and I would do something in the hallway, you know, hey, guys, you know, whatever. Or, or, or shut up, punk, and walk by and. Then I would stay and load up the scenery into the truck to get it back uh, for the end of the day. You had put to wrap to out. So, you know, you had them two things. It was known version of double one. I was, and you know, we I didn't have to cast that person. It just saved us time yeah. too. Yeah. No, exactly because of that well, that crazy schedule. Yeah. And for me, in that steroid episode, uh, that was directed by David Carson, Jessica, um, and and what I remember, and he staged thing he. He was a really terrific director. There were some things that went on, I guess, with him and other people. I had nothing to do with any of that. I really liked working with him. He did a couple of he did the a couple of episodes for us. But this was the first one, and I remember that he had uh, we had to build. Well, you you built it, dude. We had to build the gym on an inside gym on our soundstage. Yeah, and wow. they're the guys in the gym, and the one who's the featured actor, and this thing. And I'm noticing, oh, there look Michael. And you were doing something screwing around with weights, uh, you know, on like like with your bicep or something. And I went, oh, that's a nice piece of business because somebody was doing something and yet it didn't um, pull me away from where the, the focus was. So, you know, your training as an actor was there from the first, yo, how you doing, dude? You know, you're, <laughs> yeah. you know we can see that. <laughs> There you are, right? <laughs> <laughs> we got you. There you are. <laughs> well, seeing that you're sitting here, I, 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 and that you had that picture, I just want to ask Jessica this: Had 
they look so good together that if we could have convinced him to come to California University, we could have put them together and he could have walked around like, you know, just been, been basically Brenda's bitch, you know? To see you together, dancing was particularly nice. All of it was very nice. Was yeah, it really was. Chemistry was terrific. Taking she class. was lovely and it, and it made me. me think, though, it was a good thing that we didn't need you to uh, take Donna to any dance because anytime there was a boy who had to play out with the Tory, he <laughs> was much more careful. You know? <laughs> well, all I know is uh, I had a, a, a great, I always actually got along with Shannon. Um, even when I was doing only construction, she would come in and hang out with us, uh, you know, when we were in, at one point we were all sharing space. The construction department in the office was in the same space as where we were shooting, where they did they did makeup next door. It was all in one of these warehouse spaces. There was a and, lot of them. Uh, <laughs> she was great. Yeah, honestly, she was great. Well, and you know, you've heard this is more for the for the people who are listening with us right now. You know, you've heard how all all the actors have said, "Oh, well, we got really close because there was nowhere to go, and we hung out there, and they served us lunch, and and that's what you know, and that and they bonded." Well, as, as Michael just said, the distance between the cast and the crew was negligible. Yeah. And the crew, we were, especially in the first two seasons, we were non-union operation. Crew was younger. So, you know, there was a really a tight bond between the actors and the crew. And we did fun um, stuff. Like we would go to, you know, shoot at the Hilton for three days, but everybody got a room there. And it was like, it was literally like. Yeah, a, we didn't know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> You don't need to know that. It was like a frat house. Exactly. It was, it was awesome. That was I, awesome. I, the writers, on the other hand, did not get to spend a lot of time on this set at all because it was we had too much work to do. And I learned early, it took me a while to figure this out, that any time that I went to the set, I'd see a scene and think, they're doing this wrong. This is a terrible mistake. What's we have to fix something. And then I learned, no, we don't. Whatever this, whatever you think this mistake is, is irrelevant. If it really is a mistake, it'll get fixed in post and you have to leave now. <laughs> I, so I, I left a lot when I. Yeah. yeah. You know what got me off? You know what got me off the set? Almost after that, I went, oh, OK, I'm not coming anymore. Hardly is. And you may have been in this one as an actor. Uh, Michael, because this is the one about the um, the football game that the home and away that got canceled. That then there was going to be with a with a with the, it was a black white thing. With Chip Johannesson's first at the dance. Yeah, and Jack Shaw Bender. Excuse me. Shaw High School. Right. Shaw High School. That's right. And Jack Bender was the director. Mm -hmm. And 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 I'm on the I set. Terrence Howard was in that. Excuse me. Was that was Terrence Howard in that? Um, the guy who played Jordan Bonner. You mean I don't I don't know. No, Terrence you know Howard, was a black actor. We should look it up. I'll tell you in a minute. I feel like Terrence was Google that. Episode. Let's get on the Google. Yeah. If only there were a device. Okay. <laughs> well, our, our minions will be looking. At yeah. yeah. But, um, the, the thing is, is that when we when we when we did that that football episode, and I walked on the set, I, an actor who remained nameless came to me and started telling me what that director was making them do, and they could do it better. And this and Bender walked over to me and said, 
you got to go because you're you're undermining. I'm trying to get them to do something different, and you're undermining my vision. And Jack, by the way, shot the went on to shoot the pilot of Lost. So oh, very. Give that man his vision, you know. Oh, so, yeah. uh, so I left, you know, and didn't really go on there too much. And there was, you know, there was sometimes actors would. There were certain actors that just for my life that I, you know, were much more friendly than others. And if they were working, I tend to walk on the set. And if they weren't there, I tend to get in my car and drive around uh, the city. That's all I did really producing the show. I just stayed in my car and drove places. Uh, the actor was Michael Anthony Rollins. Got it. Michael Rollins. Yep. Yeah. That's the guy. Yeah. Well, Michael, how, how did they say to you that, that this, the, the Tony Miller is going to take Brenda? How do you find out about that to the prom? Um, they were just read the script. I mean, I just, <laughs> that's, you know, a way. Like, that's a great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Chuck sometimes would would walk by and go, "We got got something coming." What? Well, I don't because I don't want to say anything because it, it might change. Got something? Did you see the next script? You know, would, a lot of times it would be that. Or, did you see the next script? You know, um, yeah. That's how I yeah, found out. Once we got into season three. And we had more high school. There was Ditch Day. There was this. There was exactly. the commencement. There was, I think he got a prize for being most athletic. You know, yep. he, you know, but this was the one that really, you know, Tony Miller became the character. Totally. Before he yeah. was the guy number one, as you said. But this, he was the character, really. Right, Jess? Yes. One I thing the, I, I, I was I the entire sports department of <laughs> Beverly Hills. <laughs> right. You were the job. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I saw I noticed something when uh, the episode is called A Night to Remember and there are all kinds of signs that say A Night to Remember and I remember uh, in the production meeting or earlier Tom Victor calling up and saying what's the theme of this prom and those questions were so awful to hear because it's like we don't care what the theme is make it up and right. it was like, no, no, that's your job to make it up, not the crew. The, the, you know, they're going to make signs that you have to decide what uh, how they read. And it was a lesson, uh, another lesson in writing and producing a television show that there are things that have to come out of the writer's imagination that you don't always expect. Yeah, absolutely. Chuck, what was it about uh, Michael that you were like, let's get let's do some more with him? You, you, you loved working with him, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, convenient. and also, you know, I mean, <laughs> sitting here, if you weren't sitting here, I'd probably say the same thing, Michael. Uh, probably. You know. Um, you know, I had never met anybody like Michael Cudlitz. I'm a, you know, I was uh, Beverly Hills to Berkeley to graduate school to Hollywood, and I meet this young guy, and he's engaging, and he's smart. You had your, you had started your family by then, right, too, Michael, by then? or is, yes. Yeah. So, I've been, you know, I've been with was, Rachel for 34 years, so, yeah. I, yeah. I, was, I don't know if I was married early on. No, I, I got married during the show. Um, is that it? Yeah. So, you know, it was just a different thing. So I really respected, uh, you know, that and, and had no idea, really. You know, I think I've said on this uh, one of the other podcasts that – one of the Aaron Spelling and I, uh, one thing we we had, were in violent agreement about, as he would say, is that we both really believed in nepotism. And so, if you were a friend, and I don't just mean my wife Karen or Tori, I just mean if you were a friend you, of 
I, if you came to the school and, and Steve and Jess were the same way, they got their actor friends on the show. And, and by this point, Michael was the friend. We knew him. He was on the cast. He, he delivered, you know, anytime. Uh, so, so it was always felt good. And, and, um, you know, I think that by the time we left West Beverly High and went to um, California University, that's when you got off the, uh, the, the, the grid, right? Yeah. And then I you had, went on uh, to do the, all your other great shows. I, I built, I had finished building the, the exterior courtyard, the exterior, well, interior courtyard that we built over in the, the red brick building. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um and once I, when I'd finished that, I was at the tail end of that, and I got an offer to go, to do a pilot for NBC called uh, uh, "Against the Grain." It was a football. Oh, you were great in that! I forgot about yeah. that. One. that. That's what took me away. That was yeah. And ben, ben Affleck. Uh, we were best friends, um, and uh, the pilot got picked up, and we went to series. So that I had to give up my my. Uh, construction coordinator job there, although I would come back in between for years and do day player stuff where I worked for the guy who used to be my foreman and I would come in and I worked the crew because I really, honestly, really enjoyed doing the construction. So it was not, it was something that I was doing as my second job, but it was also something that I, I was also building a career. So if, if it, if it didn't work out, look, it's not, it's, it's hard to be, you know, in the industry, especially as an actor and make a living. So the idea of me being in the industry and, and remaining a construction coordinator and having that be my career, I was kind of fine with that too, if that's where it fell, as long as I was able to keep pursuing what I wanted to pursue. And then um, also these guys were your friends, right? I mean, I, I happen to know that you have a, you had a very special relationship with Luke. And, yes, and, very, uh, very close. You live near each other, and you have a lot of the same values and things. Yeah, yeah? our kids are same age. Our, our boys, um, and uh, yeah, so it just, it just, the whole thing. I don't know. Just, it just made sense. It was, it was really for me. It was family. Mm. You know, I spent uh, on and off ten years there. I mean, it. You know, it's, it's, or a good part of ten years. Um, you know, and uh, didn't really get out of the construction until. Uh, we shot Band of Brothers, and then after that, I was mostly done doing construction for film and television. Mm. Um, but yeah, well, our uh, buddy Ryan Thomas Brown Munts says it's so good to see you. Munts loves your baby. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening, Ryan? There he is. He's following us along here today. Uh, listen, let's pop into some of these uh, some of these memories in this episode. Um, you know, I think there's a lot to talk about here uh, in, inside this episode. Uh, I guess maybe one place to start is uh, Kathy Dennis is a, you know, that that's come up a bunch in the, the groups and whatnot. Everybody wants to know, how did Kathy Dennis get to be the, uh, the, the, the singer at prom? Was there a lot of people that you guys were talking about or was, was it always going to be Kathy Dennis? Always going to be Kathy Dennis because Kathy Dennis was the only one that was uh, on our soundtrack album who had a song that you could actually dance to. Mm. All the rest were, oh, I'm in love with you. Oh, you're so cute. You're precious. You know, all that kind of stuff. Thank you, Kenny Miller. But there was one good song, and this was it. And uh, I, I, I think, but I was not there when you filmed it. Um, so I never even got to meet her, and I would have liked to because 
she looks good. Look at that red hair she had. It looked good. Cool. But it was really the, that's why. And then this was big for her. She'd be in America's 90210. I, I think she had celebrity in England before, but again, uh, Irving Azoff, the famous, uh, put this soundtrack together, and um, this was one of his artists. Um, and the juniors we see in this episode, you kind of alluded to this. Were the juniors something that you thought you might play with in the future? Um, yes. Exactly. Well, not in the future. We um, Sometimes you need a little bit of uh, deception to goose the geese or whatever you think. So we basically had the our, our wonderful casting director, who's a very sweet woman named Diane Young, put out there that they were looking for people to, if there was going to be that extension with, you know, Brian Austin Green, which of course, you know, we, we've already talked about that. So we knew that there was no way that uh, TC and uh, that Sean Levy, and then you tell me, uh, Jessica, about Sean. Sean, right? Levy went, Sean Levy went on to become a huge director um, it, in between television world and then now in the feature world. And uh, it's funny to me because I worked at a, a company year, years later, maybe 10 years after this, and Sean was directing an episode when I worked for Tommy, Chuck, and uh -huh. I didn't even remember that he had played, that he had acted on 90210 and he never told, said anything to me and I never said anything to him. And there he is. He's right there. Well, I do know that one person we did not cast who came in, I, I, I have to believe that because I remember him meeting him was Mario Lopez. Oh, so wow. He, he was, you know, came in to read for it. I mean, that's where I, we. Yeah. I mean, he would, I would, he, I, everybody came through there and I would imagine he would, he probably came through there more than once because he was right. He's that age. Exactly. So, um, but, so that's how we got them. That that was the thought then, and that you know, and I really love that. Uh, you know, it just you know, Steve and Jessica. We did a lot of scripts together, and, and particularly in the high, particularly in the high school years. And so, you know, when there's lines like that, she says, "Like you're the sad epitaph." And, uh, you know, and that you have no spirit. And this is the end of it. I mean, TC just put her down. And it's that hard-boiled dialogue sometimes that, you know, these people watch a lot of movies. And, you know, I, their it's dialogue. So you know. To me. I thought the same thing. And it was funny watching this, too, because I heard that her character's name was Toby. And the, and she play, and Sean's character's name was Howard. And though, Toby and Howard were Steve Wasserman's best friends in high school. And when, when, and Toby, the real Toby is a Facebook friend of mine now. And I texted her today. I, 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 and said, you, we named a character after you. And she said, I know you even named a character after my father was a doctor. And it was like unbelievable to me. And I, and I, cause I don't remember any of this. When Cindy Walsh opens up her high school yearbook, it was called the Oculus which is what Steve Wasserman's high school yearbook had been called. We There are little um, Easter eggs in there from our own lives that surprised me when I see them because I don't remember them happening at the time. Those are fascinating. Well, I, I love those. I, yeah. the, the, I found the, uh, I actually like these lines so much, I actually typed them up. This is what Toby <laughs> said. In a sick way, 
what's happening to Donna Martin is an epitaph to the dead spirit of the entire class of 93 over and out. <laughs> Damn. But that's from the that's from the next one I get. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um what about Gil Myers? I'm sure Lily's gonna be happy that we're asking about Gil Myers. Uh I love Gil Myers. <laughs> we uh, did too. Yeah. And um, you know, I've alluded to the fact and 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 you know, the way the show ran, you know, we would cast the show and uh and everybody be very happy. And then uh, Spelling had a representative always with us, who was out of his office. We all liked him, named Tony Shepard. And uh, Tony would take the list back to Mr. Spelling. And, uh, you know, 95% of the time, uh, he said fine. Uh, he did not say fine when we cast Mark Kiley to play Miss Rick in uh, the summer episodes prior to it. He wanted a more different look, and so Dean Kane got the part. And we, particularly Karen, my wife Karen wrote the the, the Paris, all, all the, the trips to the France, those three episodes, and she really liked him. Mm. <laughs> you know, she, she had a crush on him. Let's face it. And uh, like you, Lily. And uh, and so we found a place how to where to you know put him in the school, and he was just great at that, and um, was a nice guy too, right, Michael? You knew you know yeah, why right. He's fantastic actor. I was yeah. surprised in terms of storytelling, seeing this episode, that it was Gil who suggests Brandon or hints to Brandon that they should have a protest. In, he did. in, the, in the world, and then Brandon's, uh, you know, he says, you know, you could be a leader. But it, now looking back at that, it's not something I'm, I think that we might do again as we look at our leads. I mean, you want your hero to generate the story. And well, the, you know, I, I'll, I'll uh, respect, I'll, I'll, she just the point, I'll be counterpoint, for those who remember old 60 Minutes, um, that by um, all they do is plant suggestions. Jim does the same. So right. Mark Kiley says, look, you know, there was a time people did this. And he goes to, uh, and then Brandon goes to talk to his dad. And, you know, one of the things that I, I think I've alluded to on the show is that one of the things i really happy that I brought to it right from the start was that Jim and Cindy protested the war. Duke loved that. But I uh, I thought it, there had never been a character like though. We've never seen that in, in our generation of adults. You just, just had. And so, um, uh, and so by having that, it was, uh, uh, he goes to Jim and Jim too says he did it, but he isn't encouraging it. But right. the, the thing is, is that the, the, at one point, Brandon says, look, this is the most apathetic class in 93, and we're the most apathetic school. And, you know, this wasn't the episode that we made the reference to it, but I know I did, used it once and probably twice. You know, the world, when we're making this show, is going, you know, the Berlin fall, wall falls. Mm. Young people were making a difference, a young generation, and uh, our generation was uh, going to Fred Siegel's. So, you know, what do we, how do we make a reference to that? We reference Fred Siegel so many times that you'd think that they were and you know, <laughs> And you know what Steve and I had in common there, you know, and you do, they treated us like, yeah, we're the writers of we have the whole store. What would you like? <laughs> you know, they, they liked this over there. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, interesting. And also, I wanted to ask you about Dylan. There's a there's some stuff with Dylan and, and Gil where Dylan's talking about becoming a writer and all this kind of stuff. Is that something, when you're starting to think about, like, career trajectories in the future seasons, is that something that you, you guys are thinking about? Like, maybe Dylan will be a writer and all that kind of stuff? Well, not the yes, the writer, well, be, remember, he ends up in a couple of seasons later writing the screenplay. Sure. Uh, with Charlie. But at that point, I think it was just to keep the college thing a little open and not make it so cut and dry. So the references to Berkeley, mm -hmm. you know, California University didn't appeal to him quite as much. But Berkeley is out of town. Yeah. It's got its own culture. And uh, and uh, then it, it, and it allowed for that. Went there. And I went to college <laughs> there. Yes, I did. And there was it, it allowed that great line um, that he basically that you guys wrote that. Uh, um, just, you know, uh, I'll find it. I should have typed it. When he says I'll practice, I, it's practice. Uh, you know, I practice, yeah, practice. I'm learning how to demonstrate. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I love that. How to do that. Uh, yeah. so, so I, you know, really like that, but it, it just made him a little different and, you know, who knows, you know, again, you know, with the twists and turns had gone, you know, maybe that's where he would have ridden his motorcycle when he rode off. Who knows? Yeah. You know, it's just, but it, 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 it presented something different from the crowd. That was what was important to me and seeing it here again. Yeah. Now, the actor playing Gephardt, oh my God, is, I mean, he, I just can't, like, I can't stand Gephardt. You know, he's just so great at this, at this, uh, playing this character. Uh, tell me about Gephardt and. Well, Kathy. this is, I will, because this part I, I had really forgotten about. And, and seeing Gephardt and seeing that political side, reactionary political side of Felice Martin. Um, wow. This was the era of three strikes and you're out. This was the era of you get no compassion for whatever situation you're in. You, you know, you didn't pull yourself up by the bootstrap. It's your fault and, and deal with it. A, a very, you know, we, I know we got a real hard ass now. And I know people don't like me to talk about that and I won't. But the <laughs> fact of the matter is, is it was that, um, uh, that's what came out to me. It was, I'm going to you, my ambition is going to be built on your misery. And, and Pete Wilson was our governor, governor at the time. And they passed a very, uh, that got thrown out by the courts, really restrictive to immigration. And California has never been a purple state since at least California as a state found its heart, but we had an element. I'm a native here. So I really remember the Alameda County Sheriffs and and uh, George Putnam on Channel 11. And there was a there was a whole thing about, you know, it, you know, very anti it comes out of anti-communism. And uh, that's what that intolerant strain. That's what that's about. Yeah. I mean, he's phenomenal. I don't know who the actor is, but well, I mean, he was just so great in this. Um now, I mean, Lori says this and I'm about to ask about this. Uh, Felice was a pain in the ass. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I think that's a, an understatement, but the Felice Martin character is so, so wonderfully written. And so there's so much depth to her character. And, you know, that that kept coming back, uh, you know, through the seasons. Talk to me about Felice and writing for for Felice, particularly in this in this episode. Um, I thought that the most uh, amazing scene to me was. Donna standing up to her mm. and saying, daddy and I forgave you. 
and you should try to forgive me. And I was I was shocked by it because I do remember having written the the episode where they find out that her mother's having an affair. But mm. to hear it brought up again in mm -hmm. this context was very surprising to me. She was a difficult character, and it was very it was very um, touching to see the warmth between Donna and her father. And I think that Spelling must have really loved every scene that we played with Donna and her television father because it so mirrored the relationship he wanted to have with his child or, or believed he had with her. Yeah. So I want to do a timeout here right now because okay. Jessica has brought up uh, Tori's father. And Jessica, I think we've we talked about this a few weeks ago on one of the podcasts, that Jessica, when we would go into spelling, but also to the network, Jessica was the voice of our stories. It would usually be Steve and myself and Jessica. And and uh, the, and maybe by the fifth season, Larry Mullen was in on some of these, these meetings. And we'd sit down and just, you'd wind Jessica up. And Jessica would just talk very articulately, very fast, and go through the story. And when she would pitch a major story to the mister that, you know, Brandon was Brandon, Brenda was Brenda, Donna was Tori. Mm. Tori does this and Tori does that and Tori does this. And it, 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 it always worked, but where it, there's one episode maybe we'll talk about down the line called A Presumption of Innocence. It was the hardest one conceptually that I felt we had to do because it was about incest. And uh, and I that's the one I really remember. And I thought we'll never get this by the old man. And Jessica's going and Tori and Tori and Tori and Tori signed off. I didn't do that consciously, as far as I remember. Um, okay. I don't, I don't remember that I did it consciously. If I oh I see. I'm I'm saying I would I didn't know that I was calling her Tori, unless maybe you told that we all no, talked about it. No, I don't think so. I think, I don't think it was just got caught up. Your... I, think I think that, I think that um, that's just how it came out. And it worked. Lori asks a follow-up. Did this mimic uh, Tori's real life with Candy and Aaron? No. No. It's a fair question. I mean, Felice Martin was really born. I mean, there was the episode. It really came out of our condom episode and her being so anti right. that. But, and, but no. and that one, yeah. and that yeah. one, it was Karen and I. And I, she, I used, and I would write Felice. I liked writing political. I, you know, my background is a political reporter. So I liked writing politically conservatives. And so I, I wrote a lot of her stuff. I like that, you know, probably the other guy too, that Epperhart. Key, I think, to understanding the Donna character and the, her parents is that they were religious conservative, and we didn't have that. That didn't exist in television, really. People who went to church on Sunday, that really didn't exist in mainstream television, which is why it was very important. Unless you watched, unless you watched CBS, they, they had a little bit on that. You know, they were touched by a, an angel. But no, but they. But it was important to us that we had a character while everybody was screwing around yeah. was gonna be a virgin, which is why yeah, I had came, a big fight with Aaron when they finally decided she had to lose her virginity. Yeah, I was gone by then, but I do know <laughs> that, that the idea came from Aaron and we embraced it immediately for the, basically for the reason that Jessica said, oh, we, we can do this so much differently. We, they're not characters like this. 
and 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 basically for you know she you know suffered with guys because she you know held on to uh, her beliefs in that in that regard um and in real uh, life in in real life oh, Gabby well. was not a religious right so that was and since that was the core of Felice's self-righteousness that did not mirror Andy at all. Yeah, correct. Uh, Bradley's letting us know that uh, a part was played by Arthur Rosenberg. So thank you for for that. Kristen his said, brother was a, his brother was a lawyer too. I think. Kristen said she loved Felice. It was nice to have a more conservative parent like mine. It did not exist on TV at the time. So there you go. Uh, okay, let's see now. Mel Silver. Mel Silver. Everybody's going to Mel's. And Mel pops the champagne, <laughs> right? He is the culprit of all things. But I think, you know, I, I was talking about this, like, uh, before we came on, Jessica, like, I, my, when I went to prom, too, somebody poured a little something, an adult. So it's a very relatable scenario. That, but that's because you're ethnic. Yeah. And my so was Miles Silver. And the note, he has a line in the show that says, in my family, when we celebrate, we give... Everybody has a glass of wine. Right. That's a that's a Jewish line. Yeah. And that I think uh, affected his character's choice and why he didn't think he was doing anything wrong with those children. Yeah. Well, my father too. My father was uh, a very uh, prominent pediatrician here in Los Angeles, and ever since being like nine, ten years old. You know, whether it be Passover, you want a little wine, and it, it was never a big thing. And I think the reason was was just because he wanted me not to make such a big deal out of alcohol. Because then my father was a scotch drinker, and he'd give me a little scotch at, when I was fifteen and sixteen. You know, it just wasn't. So I think that that also is part of you know Mel's orientation a, I think a little it bit, was, you know? It was very good, though, to see Jackie say later on, because she was a recovering drug and alcohol addict, had I thought for one minute that uh, th that giving those kids the champagne was dangerous, I never would, I wouldn't be here today in support of the, of the, yeah, I like that. of Donna. That was, I like that, too. And um, I like that that she was, that we kept her history alive. Yeah, I like that too. And I like that she's yelling at Mel on the phone in one of the scenes when, uh, when, 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 Dave, when David and uh, Kelly are moving or whatever, and she's, she's always screaming at Mel, right? <laughs> um, what about the actor that played Mel? I thought, he, I thought he was phenomenal as Mel Silver, yeah? Well, Matthew, yes. And Matthew, Matthew, um, you know, Matthew had been a star, had been uh, a lead of a series at this point, I think, on Fox. And he had he had done things. So for him, it was like Michael was talking about. Sometimes you get to be the front runner and sometimes you're on the side you know, mm -hmm. panel. And so, you know, like all the adults who pretty much did the series, they all wanted more for their characters. And so when they would come in, not so much. I mean, I wouldn't hear from them when they weren't in a script, but when they were in a script, they always wanted to do more. And Matthew was that. Matthew really loved the character, loved to act and, and wanted that. Naeem says, Steve is the troublemaker. He brought the bottle in the limo and gave a glass to Donna. What do you guys think? I noticed that too. Yeah. I noticed that too. I noticed that too. Yeah. <laughs> and I noticed how fast she drank it. Yeah. And 
um, that was that was fiction. And but it but I, it was also from the very beginning of the story in real life and in our telling of it, she hadn't eaten all day. Right. And that was that was key. And I loved when Brandon says later, you know, I think it's Brandon. Um, if this were a court of law, we don't even have any evidence that she was drunk. She could have had a virus. And my friend is a lawyer and she's constantly getting people off on alcohol charges because they didn't test her. And right. I'm sure they didn't test Donna. So uh, on that note, too, about about that, was that really important to make sure that Donna got drunk by accident? You know what I mean? Yes. That, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Yes. There was no intent and and she wasn't aware of what was happening. She was the, a good girl who did who did something wrong. That was the key to her defense. Yeah, right. It wouldn't have worked with any of our other cast members who no. all would have been eager to get drunk. Right. We were talking about that before we came on. Like nobody would have gotten around uh, Brenda, you know, or Kelly if they had gotten drunk at prom. You know, they were too they popular. Were not, yeah. Right. Yeah. No one would have protested on their behalf. <laughs> right. Uh, and then there's this, you know. There's this great stuff that you see uh, with Brenda and uh, Dylan dancing. They, they go for a dance, which I'm sure all the Brenda and Dylan fans love. And then we even see sort of Steve and Kelly have a really nice moment, which is, I think, indicative of high school too, right? I think everybody always has those moments that they remember. Those moments are important, but in terms of a show and its history, yeah, there are certain episodes where there are beats you have to hit to satisfy yourselves and your audience. And a dance like this is really important for to hit those beats. It's hard to write um, a party or a dance because you're in one location and you're moving around and getting all those things to happen in a graceful way. It's hard to shoot them, but it when it works, it works so well. Talking about that location, the, the Bellage Hotel, Chuck, is that an easy location to shoot in? Or where, where are you? Yeah, it was. Yes, it was. We we had carte blanche there. Yeah. When the two men who owned it, it was an indie hotel, were teetering on bankruptcy. They called my uncle. That was about a, six months before we started filming. I really? want to film in the pool. I want to use the ballroom. I want a hotel room, and we're going to be in the kitchen. <laughs> that pool, God, that was like. We awesome. never had it. They were really nice to us. They liked us, and they liked. More importantly, they liked my uncle Irv. Now, Michael, were you were you doing construction during these episodes as well, or you were just an actor for here? Yeah, no, all of them. Everything that I did, I was doing construction during all of them. So now, I mean, is that because I mean the the part that you play here with you know Tony Miller and Brenda going to the it's a big it's a big moment for you, I would imagine, right? That you get this yeah. opportunity. So was oh, it yeah. difficult transitioning back and forth from construction to Tony Miller? It was. Um, I I think I was too too naive at the time to realize how big it was because uh -huh. the show was the show was huge i mean that you know every people talk about incidences and you know and then the and the folklore and all this stuff and you know and it's you know about getting taken out and you know laundry baskets and, you know and you know, mm -hmm. all these things and it's like we we'd lived that for years Mm -hmm. And it, it wasn't like one-offs. It was like we would show up at a location and there'd be, you know, 150 people, 150 kids waiting on the other side of a chain link fence trying to get closer to, you know, uh, uh, Jason and Ian and Luke uh, and, and the ladies. I mean, it was it was huge. But I was for me, it was weird 
just dealing with the crew because these are the same crew members that I'm, you know, with the grips, we're sharing, you know, information. I'm telling them what I need, you know, Bill Baker's telling me what he needs and this and that and making things happen. And then all of a sudden I'm showing up and I'm in clean clothes and uh, I'm going to act. So initially it was, um, everybody was incredibly supportive, but I, I think that initially everyone was sort of like, Oh, okay. Well now, okay. Now we're doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I think it was until, you know, we sort of finished the first day and then it was sort of like, oh, uh, is this something you do? Is this what you because I, I kept really quiet about what I did because the, the show was so great to me. And I mean that in in letting me go. The if, You know, Jim Weatherall, our deal was as long as you take care of everything that needs to be done here. You can go you can slip out and do your your other interviews and auditions. And as long as home is taken care of. You can you can go pursue your your dream. Oh, nice. that, that's that's a hell of a permission slip, you know. And even looking back at it now, that is not mm-hmm. that is not even close to normal, not even close. Well, so, many things we didn't do uh, we're we're not close to normal. That that's yes. for sure. Yes, but, um, but given that opportunity at, by you know people on the screen, yeah, uh, it was it's something that you know absolutely helped in the launching of my career. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of it had to also, we went on union. There was not as much scrutiny on us. I know the difference between year two and year three. And, yeah. you know, we, a lot of the, the, the fun stuff we could do became harder. Yeah. Uh, for Tony Miller, uh, question for Tony Miller. Um, how great did Brenda look uh, taking her to the, to the prom, right? I mean, and Tammy Bender says, Put away your gun, uh, Miller. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was great. Again, she was she was lovely to me, and she knew yeah. that even you know she had been doing this for a while, you know, sure. by now, and and I hadn't, and and she knew I hadn't, and she was you know very supportive, and I I got nothing nothing but great stories and and uh, admiration for her, and I watched her. I mean, I watch. I would watch her get into it with the director, and you know, and it's it's interesting because it's it is true. You see, you see, you know, and if I offend people, too too fucking bad. Um, a woman gets upset about something, and she's called a bitch, and a man gets upset about something, and he's called strong. As much as she could be a bitch, she was one of the strongest, talented actresses I'd ever seen work. And I would see her argue points about scenes and fight for things that were were really, really important for her character and, and things that she felt were important. And I would see it and then I would just see her like turn it on. And I, I was just like uh, in awe. Really, it's, and especially now having had myself being so fortunate and done so much work on my own now and i see what that is at such a young age Mm -hmm. uh i mean it's you know and she had her conflicts with people but what in my opinion what a what an incredibly underrated talent so talented so gifted and you know going through her fight i think as i always try to mention here we're all in major support of shannon and and what what she's going through right guys yes definitely um okay lily do you have any you have any good fan questions i have some tony some uh michael questions yeah all right go ahead yeah 
Um, so if they had expanded Tony Miller into a more permanent character, a main character, and let's say have him go to see you uh, with the rest of the gang, is that something that you would have continued to do? And how did you feel about not being able to do that? Well, I'll, I'll uh, maybe I'm talking out of turn because I'll speak for Chuck. Chuck was pissed that I was leaving the show when I got my own show. I mean, he was happy for me that I was going off and doing my own stuff. But he he had plans for me. I mean, I, from what I understand or remember, there yeah, were, I, well, there I were remember frat, this now. There what was the frat was wrong with you? Do, and they were and they were he, he was like, I'm happy for him. But God damn it. I'm, you know, it's, it was, there was a mixed sort of thing. And he knew. You know, I think he also knew, as we all did, the limitations of the show. So there was, they, the show could never, the show was never going to be my show. The show was never going to be about Tony Miller. Tony Miller could certainly have had more prominence. And I think that they would have used him had they had the ability. Yeah. But it also, I, I think that everybody knew that, like, it's, we we can't hold him. You know, we, we don't have, the, we don't have the financial ability. We don't have the, you know, the show is not structured that way. It's just not, it's just not what they were doing. You know, but he was, and I remember this, he was, he was, he was not happy for the show, but mm -hmm. he was happy for me. Yeah. You remember that, Chuck? That makes sense. Not, not specifically, but that, sound, I, I'll, I'll cop to that. That, that sounds about right. Because mm -hmm. I, I guess the green was a very good show. I had forgotten about it, you know, because, um, you know, my, because it, it, it wasn't Friday Night Lights, but sure. it was a good show. <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, in the episode, we go back to the episode, we're seeing, you know, we're finally seeing Donna, you know, puking and all this stuff. I love the overhead shot that they got of her in, in the bathroom and whatnot. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned, she, you know, falls right on the floor and Mrs. Teasley sees sees her. Uh, how great is Mrs. Teasley, right? How, yes. how so I'm, I have to say I'm very excited every time I see Mrs. Teasley because one of the ways it works in the television land is if you create a character, you get a very little piece of money every time that character reappears. It's called a character payment. And it always is the luck of the draw because we didn't invent characters. We would sit as a team and decide what characters we were going to create that we needed for the show. And if it happened to show up that that character was in your episode, you were the one who got a little bit of pizza money for it. And we got we got Mrs. Teasley. So every time we could use Mrs. Teasley, it was like, oh, ka-ching, that's so great. But she did such a good actress. And she Wonderful. did a terrific job. She gave a lot of, um, uh, she fleshed out a character that could have been very two-dimensional. Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, Magda says, Mrs. Teasley should have told her to go home. I did note when I was watching when I was watching that uh, I did think to myself, because uh, Mrs. Mrs. Teasley eventually wants Donna to you know get 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 off on this thing or whatever. She could have said to her, "Okay, just leave." Oh no, she couldn't because she was right. she was a grown up in the room. She had yeah. to take care of Donna. She couldn't put her in the in the care of these other ridiculous students who were carrying <laughs> her around like this was. Uh, and I don't think, and I think that the again that the punishment that was put out there had a politically opportunistic element to it. We right. didn't delve into that because I was interested in that. But I think that's the under part of it. So I don't think any of them, Mrs. Teasley, uh, uh, or Kylie's character, they would have never thought about 
how much trouble this is Right, right, yeah. Um, now, and she was obviously the scapegoat in this in this incident. Now, in the in the real life situation, Jessica, that you mentioned earlier, was was the the the, the person also the scapegoat? Yeah, it was exactly the same. I mean, she yeah. was the one who got caught doing every. I mean, everybody else at the party had had drank had uh, drunk the champagne, and everybody else. Nobody else got in trouble. She got in trouble because she got drunk because she hadn't had anything to eat all day, and she vomited on the on the principal yeah. shoes. How did I just Aaron think feel because about I, having? It's a good question. Go ahead, Lily. I'll let, go ahead. How on, how did Aaron feel about having uh, Tori's character be? the one who got drunk at the prom, was there any hesitation or pushback from him when it was presented to him? I don't remember no, any opposite. pushback. She was starring in the show. Back opposite. Yeah, yes. she okay. got to have two big, big, big episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Be happy okay. about that. I just was going to tell Michael that just to, I happen to know who the president of the, um, excuse me, who the principal of Beverly High was in that, those years. And so she, um, vomited on the uh, shoes of the football coach who had become the principal. And he wasn't the head coach. He was the lineman coach. Oh. And uh, so, you know, that's just the football world. That was that was also, and again, it was the time, you know, you're tough, you're rough. Guys treated one way. If it would have been a guy and a football player, forget about it. Oh, right. Look the other way. Right. Um, and, you know, then there's this other storyline sort of happening where Brian uh, or um, David is, you know, it, it appears that him and Donna are going to go for this. You know what I mean? She says to get the hotel room and and, and whatnot. And then this all turns backwards for him. It's not happening. Uh, that, that was, an, an, uh, a, you know, the David and Donna stuff is always so wonderful, but he's such a great like support for for Donna. You know, he doesn't worry about he's not going to Steve even says to him, no nookie for you, which I thought was a great a, a classic. <laughs> <laughs> Minimizes everything. Yeah, <laughs> always. He's always great, Steve. Isn't Steve always great to sort of like add a little levity in a moment when it's. You yeah. Know, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I was. I was charmed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another great line I worked. Don't be don't be Spiro Agnew. I thought that was a. a, a uh, another, another good one. Yeah. So let so me. So Brandon and Andrea, though, we see them going up to the room, and both seem kind of open to, you know, not letting the room go to waste. How come we didn't have them move forward with what they were going to do? Well, because you wanted Jessica and Steve to write a line at the top of the next episode, which says, "If I don't do something uh, that I'm going to regret soon, I'm going to scream." Yeah, so that's why. <laughs> and, and it was such a great thing because we could give, we could take it all the way to the edge. We could and not and leave hanging what had happened until the next episode, when yes. she feels awkward because she started it and he stopped it and it embarrassed her. And it, I thought that was a good scene. Yeah. Yes. I also love Nat in this. I know it's a very brief little thing with Nat and Gina Delmonico. Uh, oh, yeah. The girl that uh, that he was supposed to go to prom. And then Brandon says, don't be. Oh, he, no, she, well, he, he pulled the Delmonico. Yeah. We love Joey Tata personally. And um, anytime we could use him, we did. Yeah. And we, it was, I think it was the following year, Chuck, that he first got his front credit. Is that correct? 
Following year or was when year. Year. it was it was in college years, yeah. Well, whatever you were still there. Right. I think it must have been the fifth year. And I and it was something that uh we had to fight for on his behalf because he didn't get paid he only got paid uh very little money and he only was paid for the episodes that he was in. And it, it was um it, it was a struggle for him financially in those days and we were always happy to see him and and uh, he always delivered, and we were glad to give him work. Yeah, only I mean, two actors came in to read for that part that really got back, and one was Joey, who came from Duke, and the other was the actor Frank Gorshin. Remember really? Him? Yes. And he walked in, and another, and he walked in, and like he was doing us a favor. So it was a pleasure to have Joey there, and I know Joey always appreciated it, even though. Yeah, the spelling company, like all the production companies, right, Michael? Uh, maybe not Band of Brothers, but certainly, uh, or even a big hit like like um, that you're in now with the with the Walking Dead. But most of them are always looking how to save uh, a, a quarter oh, here and three dollars there. Even the big ones, everybody is, and even you know everybody. Yeah, Chuck, you talked yeah. about the music choice uh, the, the earlier Saturday. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the the that that song. Uh, what yeah, about right. also in the Peach Pit? We always get great music in the Peach Pit, and we get Wars uh, spill the wine, right? And and uh, and I thought that was a, such a great song choice for everything that's sort of happening. Well, it's going to happen. They haven't yeah. gotten in trouble yet, so it was our it was our foreshadowing underscore. Yeah, with, with that song. And again, as we talked about, what do you want in that? You want a song that is kind of recognizable, that has a repeat chorus, so that someone can pick it out. And you don't that who someone who knows the song will like the reference, and someone who doesn't will be able to just say, "Oh, that was the song on the jukebox," and you know, keeps and not drawing attention to itself. Yeah. There were times we put and ones it, on that we wanted attention to itself. That, that diner would have that song in the in the in the playbook. You know what I mean? You you it, the diner opened up everything that anything that any song that you really wanted, you could you could throw in through the diner. Let's put through the peach pit. Sorry. Well, it was all oldies until actually near some point in the fifth season, and I remember <laughs> Steve, we were on the mixing stage, and I put as a peach pit song the song that I really loved, and it was uh Used, of course, in in, um, in in movies subsequently, but um, the uh, "Hold On" by Wilson Phillips. Yeah, Steve went. You can't use that. That's not an oldie. <laughs> 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 Matt liked the song. What can I tell you, <laughs> Lily? What else you got? Um, I have a Brenda and Dylan question. So uh, during the prom, we see them having their little moment where they're having a dance and they tell each other that they're almost over each other. During that time, were there any thoughts or plans on getting Brenda and Dylan back together or no? And if there were, what were they? I feel like every week for Brenda fans, like for the Brenda and Dylan fan, we have to ask something we, he, he didn't even have to be in the episode. We have to sort of ask a Brenda Dillon question. So here it is. <laughs> Where are they going to get back together? I defer to I Jess. Do. Who's the big Brenda fan? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, I don't remember. Um, I mean, I, I think we always held it out. I think I, we always held it out because, look, at they, uh, they had a complicated relationship off yeah. the, the screen. 
And so sometimes it would be really, uh, you know, when you see them on the screen, you go, hey, look at that. You know, maybe this is where we would go. But, um, mm. you know, certainly you Brenda fans out there, I read what you say about poor Kelly Taylor. Oh, and, you awesome. know, I, I don't know. She deserves the venom. I really don't. But that's just me. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I find it interesting because ha having now been involved in many, many productions, um, uh, it's. And the writers in this room can tell me if I'm totally off base, but my perception and what I have encountered is that we outside as fans think that everything is figured out from beginning to end. Right. And that so, we know, yeah. and here's all these twists and turns and this and that. And that is that that couldn't be further from the truth. Not from not because as a creative entity, they don't think we know where this is going to end, because there are those those certain occasions where all that is figured out. But what happens, there's there's so much that happens between studio input and network input and a, 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 a character that resonates with the audience or someone who just explodes off the screen in a way that you didn't think they would. Not that, not that you were hoping they didn't, but you just thought, like, holy crap, what is going on here? Or chemistry I, between two chemistry. certain actors. Right. And so the seasons are figured out in broad strokes before the whole season starts. A couple of episodes may have been written fully before you start, but as it goes, it's it's a living, breathing thing right. that that can change and adapt to things that are happening, whether they be good or bad. And so I think that you know you you always, anytime you can leave something up in the air that you don't have to resolve, there's no reason to resolve it. Right. There's no reason and, and to put it to put a negative or a no mm -hmm. when it like great. Like if you want to think that that's going to happen or that could happen, right. why would I? Why would I get in the way of that? That's just like one more thing for you to reason for you to love the character or the relationship. Right. I don't want to tell you what what I. That's why sometimes when you even talk as an actor or, and now I'm directing, it's like people go, well, "What did you really want to do in that scene?" And I'm like, "Well, what did, what did you feel?" Yeah, because I don't want to be the one who who shits on it for you. Right. Like if you're having some amazing experience, guess what? That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. Whatever you felt. Mm -hmm. It's very different today with television series where everything is written before we begin to shoot. Um, so that block shooting. So you can take advantage of all kinds of financial um, savings by doing it that way. But in a, in a show like 90210, we would... How many weeks were we even ahead of shooting? I have no idea. Looking oh, we were. That was, uh, yeah, that, that almost killed myself for that. But that was right. We did. We, we, um, I learned that in Northern Exposure, don't make scripts the problem. We could be 10 episodes ahead. Yeah. We, we were, we worked really hard so that they wouldn't be the problem. But, but Michael, what Michael's saying, I, I really agree with to the point that you knew where kind of you were going. Right. You knew, but, but, you know, you we're going also, that way. At least twice we had uh, times when there was an actor that we thought, okay, this actor is going to come in and boy, we can do so much here with this relationship. And it, yeah, it didn't pan out. The actor, they, sometimes they're really great in the audition rooms and not so yeah. great on the screen. And that, you know, it can happen to everybody. I mean, and, and to this point, to Drew's point here, Luke and Jenny had amazing chemistry. You know what I mean? So you see, you start seeing that chemistry now you kind of probably want to write a little bit more for that. Yes, you see uh, Shannon or, or Brenda and Dylan, they have some great chemistry as well. But, you know, Shannon is going to leave the show. So it's hard, it, it, you know, it's hard to write for somebody that you don't know where that's gonna, where that future's lying. But the flip side is also true. 
Luke and Jenny had great chemistry, but it can kill a show if if you keep people together. The idea is find the obstacle that can blow a relationship up. Yeah. And that so that you can keep the heat alive and you can have longing glances from across a room. And that is uh, that's one of the challenges of television serial drama. Yeah. How do, you, how do you how do you make it? How do you keep these relationships relationships alive and not make it feel incestuous so that somebody's sleeping with everybody in the cast? Right. Jennifer says she agrees, Chuck. She loves Kelly and she doesn't deserve the backlash. As a producer, it must be amazing. After 27 years, this love triangle is still at the forefront. Amazing and surrealistic. <laughs> Great. Larry Mullen says, well said, Jess. Well, there you go. Yeah. Thanks, Larry. Hi. Larry. Oh, Larry. Yeah. Hi, Larry. You'll be here Friday, won't you? Right. Yes, Larry. Shabbat. Will be. You're doing this on Shabbat, Larry, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, Larry and Larry and us uh, and, and Lily and I are going to be doing uh, Snowbound from season six. So, and we're going to do a little Nancy's Choice as well. So That's we're going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Okay, Lily, do you have some more? Do you have some more here? Um, I do. Okay. So, back in the beginning of the prom episode, we see the first school board meeting, and Superintendent Epphart talks about a dress code that mm. is. Um, going to be imposed on the juniors uh he talks about they talk about kids were wearing t-shirts with rastafarian smoking and i was wondering how did you guys come up with this idea is this something that was happening in schools across the country during that time or how did that well how did that come about certainly, I don't remember in the that class in my of, school, so. certainly in the class of 1969 it was happening and <laughs> our student body president at the time was a very articulate a man, young man that both Jessica and Michael know, Dan Addius, was president of the school. And Dan Addius walked into the Board of Education with the other student body pre class presidents. And I was the junior class president. So I'm standing flanked on him one side, seniors on the other side. And he makes this argument to a board that was not as, uh, as malicious or malignant as the board that we saw uh, in the episode, but you know, they were definitely people in suits and conservatives and he got the dress code thrown out. And the, the pin that people wore at that time is, is the, probably the connector to this group all these years later, which is school is for students. And that was the, that was the watchword of those times. Let us make some choices. Let us make some decisions. And, uh, the one thing, just to, to jump ahead in, in this particular episode, which I really don't didn't remember and think was worked so great, is that when Brandon gets his political moment in front of the Board of Education, since mm -hmm. we're talking about that, and instead of using any kind of political argument of what they're there for and the power, because that was understated, that was there, that was all around, he talks about friendship and love, and that's why they're there. And that, yeah. that was the motivator, not... Um, smash the state uh, may have been in 1969. Yeah. And now, I mean, while everyone's here, right, everybody's probably walking in, Donna Martin graduates. Where does the chant come from? Uh, who, where does that write? I mean, does it just, does someone just pop? Where does it pop off? Do you even know? And what were they really saying? <laughs> Donna Martin graduates. There you go. <laughs> so where does it come from? That's where not what I heard. <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, well, we I'm, did, Mike. We we got a. You didn't know this. We got a. Our basically standards and practices uh, pointed out that they that uh, and we loved her. Uh, Darlene Lieblick pointed I mean, out that uh, she could hear the M word, and we <laughs> had to loop it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure that that's became. You know, after 14 Jay, hours, Jay, I'm sure that the Jay, crew Jason, was doing it at some point. Yeah, Jason someone, and I had a great time leading the chant. Yeah. I mean. Someone, someone asked about that, but anyway, nobody thought the chant would become so huge that it would become one of the iconic uh, phrases. Oh, that, of course not. In fact, I, one thing I wanted to share, and Jessica, I don't even know if this got ever back to you. We finished the mix. Uh, the mix was. It was really a fun time. It was my favorite part of the doing the show, and I'd be sitting next to her husband and a few other people, Ken Miller, a few other people would always be there. And we finished it. We had our mixing crew, three guys, and there were other times people started to come who were in the ministration of the company Todd AO because they want to see 90210, and they'd come in, they'd sit in the back row. We wouldn't even know they were there and doing this. And we walked out of that, and people went, well, that's, that wasn't my favorite episode. Oh no, I don't. I don't like that. What, you mean that the way there was a reaction to the student thing or whatever? When that didn't belong in that show in the '90s, I don't know what it was. But our first thing I took away was, well, okay, maybe. Well, at least the prom episode was really good, you know, because because of course, like Jessica, we're gonna, we're nine hundred two and zero. So immediately, if anyone criticizes the writing of anything, it had to be true, and we have to, you know, beat ourselves up over it. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been awful. Yeah, right. But at least the kissing worked. <laughs> <laughs> um, just uh, Lily, do you have any other any other questions? Uh, one more for Michael. Okay. So, um, have you stayed in touch with anyone from the cast? And what have you been up to these days? Tell us about any projects that you've been working on. Okay. Um, yes, uh, I, I was closest with Luke. Um, but uh, I, I stayed in touch with Jason. I stayed in touch with Ian. Uh, I got back in touch with Brian uh, after Luke passed. And there were um, so a lot of connection, everybody reaching out and um, just connecting with each other. Uh, Gabrielle, I'm friendly Gabrielle. with and, and friends with. We're, we're I only pause because I like it. She lives right around the corner from me, and for some reason, I thought I was giving information away. Um, <laughs> you don't know where I am now, anyway. Exactly. You're <laughs> by a window, uh, right? Uh, I see Jenny every once in a while in passing. Uh, always love seeing her; it's always lovely. Uh, and I, I bump into a lot of the crew that we all came up with because this was, you know, we we were all young um when we started you know everybody you know the crews were like like chuck was saying earlier was a non-union crew so it uh, tended to be younger everybody is sort of breaking into the business so i i see people that i haven't seen in you know years when i walk on set or people that i see every three or four years you know crew members um and so yeah so everybody everybody keeps in touch i definitely feel it, it, interestingly enough i mean and i don't do i don't say this to minimize you know my role in the show but um, I, I, I wasn't in that many episodes. I didn't have a huge, uh, emotional impact on the show, but the show is so part of what made me what I am. Um, and I, I take that with me and I, and it is always referenced. I, I don't go, you know, a month without somebody 
bringing it up or talking about it. And so it's kind of wonderful. You know, it really is the beginning of my, again, my acting career is I, right when I got out of college, I, I, I got into the construction on the show like a year or two later. And it, it really uh, was my first, you know, real working relationship um, uh, in, a, in a crew. And I was I was a construction coordinator. So I was in, in some ways I was producing. I was in charge of literally millions of dollars of mm. Aaron Spelling's money a year. <laughs> And I was this punk kid, you know, pretty much. At a and he was very good at it. You and, and he was very good at it. You and Paul were, were really I loved good. It. Yeah, I loved it. And I loved everybody there. And, you know, and, and I moved into that and, and started acting full time. Again, I've been very, very fortunate. Um, I've produced a couple things now. Um, I'm still acting. And I started directing a year and a half ago, well, almost two years now. Um I just, uh, yeah, it's been kind of a wonderful ride. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I don't know. Now you mentioned I'm, I'm a lot of the actors. In the world. Miranda, you mentioned Miranda that says, real quick, that. hold on a second, Lily. Miranda says, Michael, I love that you were a part of 90210, uh, both in the show and behind the scenes, making sure it looked realistic. Hats off for you uh, doing both. So I thought that was a nice oh, comment. You, I'm, right in there. I'm sorry, Lily. Very sweet. No, that's okay. I was just going to ask, uh, you mentioned earlier that several of the crew members were also actors. Were any of those crew members people that we might have seen on TV? or I don't know. Like they... The, the stand-ins, uh, you know, there's a, that's, a, that's a very common job for for uh, an actor is to be, you know, stand-in is um, someone who, who will uh, stand in for the actor who has the, the, the speaking role and so they can light and do those things. A lot of the, the stand-ins are actually um, pursuing acting uh, on almost all the shows that you go on. Um, uh, there were there were a couple of crew members who uh, in the camera crew who were, and I, I don't think that they wound up, you know, really pursuing that. Uh, it's mm -hmm. hard. Uh, again, yeah. I, I was so fortunate in them allowing me I, I sort of think back on it when I talk about it sometimes. It was it was a really sort of ridiculous situation. It's like, okay, here's a full-time job, you know, a really well-paying full-time job. Um, as long as you take care of what you can do, go and do what you want. That that just doesn't that that just doesn't happen. And it yeah. happened there for me. And I don't I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. Danielle, it's Danielle says, we love you, Michael. There you go. And uh, oh, I love you too, whoever said that. We're so realistic. So there you well, go. realistic yeah. is the key. You you bring so much to the every character that you play because and you make us believe you, which yeah. is that's the best thing you can say about an actor. Well, well I think one of the most amazing things is that Michael and, and those in the construction and the art department at the time made everybody believe that that stairway mm -hmm. in the Walsh house went somewhere. That any of those doors open. <laughs> Notice we never really had a great shot coming down from the, the spiral staircase because yeah. that wasn't it. Yeah. And that if was Tom that Victor was the one his, that was. If Tom Victor had his way, he would have cut a hole in the roof and made it go somewhere. I know that. I sure do. And the other thing about the original one, I don't know if you remember this, Michael. We had so little money in the beginning to make the show oh, yeah. that when we made the Walsh kitchen. And and Michelle Minch was the name of the art art director, production designer. I remember and Michelle. She came out of the propaganda group, and I um, I said to her, "Look, we're not going to have any time to shoot." And I've never produced a show before. 
But I said, you know, we're not going to have much time. We've got to do it this way. So um, I don't care if the walls pull out or not. I'll just or just pull out one. But that's where our camera will go to shoot those things. And there was a uniformity to it. And we never went over budget. Excuse me. We never went into a beyond our extended overtime ever because at the end we just say this is your shot you got it move this is your shot you got it move that was what was most important in the beginning was to show that we were a professional company and we could actually yep. do these things on time because and then we spent we, the next five years going back and cutting out all these ports and making things so they could remove exactly so we could shoot all around the kitchen yeah. Well, remember that you see the difference in the peach pit between the original peach oh, pit, yeah, yeah, yeah. which which was an afterthought on a on a, one of the sound stages to a real serious set that Paul and uh, and you, I guess, Michael, you built during uh, yep. season two while the Beverly Hills Beach Club was going on. That you guys were building that afterwards, right? Yep. Yep. Jessica, when you look back on these two, these these couple of episodes, uh, you just had the opportunity to rewatch them. Uh, I don't know if you said this yet, but what do you think of them now? Uh, and I'm both both of you guys, I thought they were wonderful. I was really, I was. That's what is surprising me so much um, in looking back at these shows because I have so much distance that I certainly don't remember having written each word, and I'm able to look at them not as a fan or. A, showrunner or a writer on the show just see them as a piece of television and i'm amazed at how entertaining they are they look great there's they hold up very very well i'm amazed by the telephones and how big they are right. but the fact that somebody is always having to say can i use your phone and it's like but other than that i'm amazed yeah very uh, they, i think they're they're even better. I don't even know why, but they're better now. The more you watch them, I don't. Know, I don't know how that is possible. Chuck, what do you think about it when you look? When you look? Oh, back? certainly the episodes we've been seeing since we started these podcasts. Every one of them, I, you know, re really just responded to. And like Jessica, it was more than I would remember being there. Um, I, more. I, I have to interrupt. Go ahead. In watching for this podcast, Chuck said we were going to talk about. April is the cruelest month. And I watched uh, for the first time ever that episode. And there's a moment in it where Brandon gives Dylan baseball tickets, Dodgers tickets. And he says, and I, I watched it three times because I couldn't believe it. He says, here, Luke. No. Instead of Dylan, he says, here, Luke. And, it's, and, and I put on the subtitles. And it says here, look, except he doesn't say here, look. He says here, Luke. And it went through and it sounds enough like here, look, that it wasn't a flub and it, and it just exists. But take a look at it. That was one of the surprises. That's awesome. Every fan is more about. And as much as I liked it, and what I really liked about these last two that we saw this time is that unlike uh, April and unlike other most of the other episodes, here's where two where I couldn't find the boom in the shot. <laughs> There's always booms. <laughs> we were not good at that, right? Followed by a boom shadow. Yeah. Oh my God. We would I don't know how so they show up and they like, what are they supposed to do now? <laughs> we would move so fast in time. Uh, there's actually scenes if you're in the living room 
towards the foyer, looking back at the living room, where we actually shoot off the top of the set. And you can see, you, you can see the soundproofing on, if you know what you're looking for, right. you can see the soundproofing up on the top. And you're like, wait, did we just, we just went off the top of the set? And, like, and it's in. And it's That's just like, yeah, move it on, just keep going. It must, have been, it must have been Kibby that did that one. <laughs> Michael, how about for you when you look back on uh, this episode or the what you the opportunity that you you had here? Uh, what do you think about it all these years later? I was always and, I, and I've actually talked about this to Chuck before, um, fairly recently, like in the last few years. I was always really proud um, of what Chuck and his team of writers that he brought in what they were what they were attempting to do, which was make the show incredibly relevant and not just a soap opera. Mm. They were dealing with, with actual specific things that kids were actually dealing with, mm -hmm. whether the parents wanted to know or acknowledge, or, you know, in some cases didn't want to know or acknowledge, but these are actually things that were going on. I mean, we were, we dealt with rape. We dealt with cutting. We dealt with drug abuse. We dealt yeah. with, um, uh, I guess, I guess domestic abuse. Um, I mean, it was like, it was, you know, I, I always used to joke. It's like there used to be like, oh, tonight on a very special episode of Blossom. Well, every week was a very special episode because it was like it, they were really trying to. In, in my eyes, from from the outside, I don't know what the discussions were, but it seemed to me like they were there, there was really a, a, a concerted effort to 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 delve into topics that were very important to the kids that would be watching this show and how they could identify with it and, and not always come up with an answer. That was something right. that I always loved. It was like they, they would resolve it within the group, but there was no, there was no sort of like, you know, holier than thou approach to it. It's like people got hurt and there were consequences. Right. It's just, you know, I don't know. And we had our characters that we could count on and they were, and they were, they were all very different and unique in their own way. And they connected in different ways, but I always found it really exciting to be part of something that was really trying to make a difference because I, I don't think that was going on on television at all. I mean, at least, uh, you know, when I, I was an adult by that time, but I don't remember seeing that on no. television yeah, at all. You know, so I was, I was always proud of it. You know, so I look back and I, I, I'm proud of the of the work we all did. Yeah, I mean, listen, I graduated class of '94, so I'm. This is the group that you guys are the voice of my generation. In a way, every the episode that you wrote and all the storylines and all the things that you guys did, uh, you know, spoke to me. I'm a kid of that of that generation, so uh, much appreciated. Again, as we always kind of remind you guys that uh, everybody that's here is because of uh, stuff that the whole team did. From the sets to the acting to the writing into the production, that's I mean, right. It's a it's a beautiful thing that you that you all did. Uh, any more questions, Lily, from the fans, or can we shift off of Donna Martin graduates and put it in the book? Yes, I am all covered. Thank you. All right. So before we uh, before we leave, I want to just share this new shirt. I, I don't know if you guys saw this, but you know that Steve wears that sometimes. <laughs> We made this, right? I mean, why not? You know, uh, because right. I felt we needed a good old retro looking shirt. So you can get that at the Beverly Hills 90210 showshop.com. Now, uh, Friday, Larry's going to be here with Lily and I, and we're talking Snowbound from season six and Nancy's Choice. And then next week, uh, I have to look at what we called it. Let me see here. I wrote, I wrote I can it. tell you what we called it. 
I have well, I, I get I have a little banner. I have a little banner. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Dylan Jack Iris and the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels will be covering the entire storyline of Dylan, uh, the money scandal and the scam, and uh, you know, all the way to Mexico, I think, when he eventually gets it back. Right, Chuck? That should be a fun one. Should be, yeah. That's looking forward to that. That was the one, at least until he loses the money, and and then maybe we'll save Mexico for another time. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but listen, guys, thanks so much. Before we end, I want to ask Michael. Uh, you said you're very close with Luke. We always like to kind of wrap up on Luke stories. Uh, very special to all of us. I think we all went through a lot when when uh, he passed from the fans to probably all you guys. Do you want to share a Luke story? Uh, something about Luke that. Uh, that that touched you or something along those lines? No, no, with respectfully, um, I I when Luke passed, I was very consciously not uh, open about my feelings towards him and that on social media and such. And that I think mostly for me was more out of respect of of what Luke would have wanted and how Luke lived his life. Luke could just be like just don't worry about it mm. you know it just in it so it's so those stories are those are my stories and cool. um he's missed yeah big time i think by everybody just a super talent and just a probably amazing guy all right guys thank you so much thank uh you. for this episode uh and we're looking forward to seeing you on friday night at 5 p.m pacific 8 eastern and then next week as well so stay tuned keep asking all your questions thanks a lot guys all right Take care. Thank you. 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 Thank you.